I've been in Puerto Rico now for a couple of years. I've seen firsthand the life-changing tech that is NFTs and, you know, being able to help people that were in poverty, you know, creators that were in debt that like, you know, were struggling and now are like doing really well and helping push the space forward. So it's like, all right, how can we do something that not only uh, would get like a, a good group of people together, but also help the local economy? Welcome to the NFT Now podcast. Every Wednesday, we speak with trailblazing artists, collectors, and technologists about how NFTs are redefining the creative economy and how you can be a part. I'm Sam Heisel. I'm Alejandro Navia. And I'm Matt Medved, and we're on a mission to empower the creators of culture. Welcome to the show. Alejandro, how are we doing today? Matt, I'm doing so well. It should be a crime, brother. Who do we have on today, man? I am really excited. At long last, we have the one and only G-Money, one of the leading collectors and builders in the space, an early advocate of crypto punks, and someone who has really been driving mainstream adoption, just launched his own podcast, The Cutting Edge, and has his hands in so many things. If you saw the crypto punk billboards all over Miami, New York, LA, London, that he was the biggest driving force behind that. Uh, Alejandro, what are you excited about? Man, G-Money, above all the things you just mentioned, but like G-Money is such a giver um, of information, a giver of access, a giver of opportunity. I just really want to dive deeper into what his personal philosophy and what drives him to be so altruistic in this space. Love that. He has a very fire AR filter, which everyone's about to see as well. Uh, Before we jump in, though, uh, make sure you are subscribed to our newsletter. Head to nftnow.com and subscribe. We are always simplifying all of the daily happenings and weekly happenings in the space into actionable insights. So straight from us to your inbox without any further ado, G-Money. G-Money. Finally on the NFT Now podcast, we are so glad to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been uh, it's been a long time coming. Um, we got a lot of great questions for you today. But you know, for our listeners who are tuning in, let's just take it from the top. Tell us a little bit about your journey into NFTs. I got into crypto in 2017, uh, and uh, I caught the mid to late cycle of the ICO boom. And in Q1 of 2018, I was like, blockchain tech is really cool, and it's going to change the world. But I, I thought it was like 10 years away because I was using the dot-com bubble as my analogy uh, or as my analogous uh, um, uh, data set. And so uh, I was like, this is far away. So in Q1 of 2018, I sold what I had that was liquid and I was keeping an eye from afar. Last year, at the be- towards the beginning of quarantine, uh, I bought back a ton of crypto in, in late March or either late March or, or April. And uh, I had a couple of projects that I had invested in last cycle that were starting to unlock. And I, I went down the DeFi rabbit hole and I'm like, holy shit, like they built stuff like really fast uh, and like built really cool tech. So I went down the DeFi rabbit hole. And then towards the end of DeFi summer, like in August, early September, I found NFTs. And when I found NFTs, they like made sense, like pretty much like right away uh, because on the first day of quarantine last year, I bought a PlayStation. I hadn't played a video game in over 10 years. And I download uh, Fortnite and I start playing Fortnite with my buddy and his nephew. And uh, his nephew's 12 years old. And the first thing he asked me is, how many skins did you buy? I'm like, skins, this game is free to play. The skins don't give me any special powers. I'm not doing anything. I'm not spending any money. Fast forward two or three weeks. 
I'm like, oh, dude, like, you know, I'm, bu- I'm buying all the skins that I can get my hands on. And I realized that, like, there's going to be this massive super cycle here of, like, that kid is 12 years old today. Uh, in 10 years, he's going to be 22. He's going to have his own income. He's going to have his, like, however he wants to spend it. And he's going to be totally okay with owning a totally digital asset. So I was like, there's going to be um, some super cycle here, some way to take advantage of it. Uh, I come from a, a traditional finance background. I, I was an equities trader for 15 years uh, before getting into crypto full time. And so I was like, just keep an eye out for this stuff. Uh, and then when I found NFTs, I was like, wow, like this is your skin on Twitter, Discord and Telegram. Like to me, like it, it makes total sense. So when, when I realized that and I put two, to, two together, I was like, this is like a no brainer. Like I should be buying whatever NFTs that I think are like high grade, high quality, uh, because I think they'll they'll be appreciating a lot over the long term. Dude, that's an incredibly fascinating journey. And I love how younger generations are actually influencing us now. And I love that you were able to kind of secure that alpha and have that vision and really double down on it. Um, kind of just want to shift gears a little bit into your, you've been one of the biggest champions of crypto punks from the billboards in Miami during BTC to the Christie's auction and the visa purchase. What is your thesis about the project? So, yeah, so I think like, especially uh, like around this time last year, when I was starting to dig, dig into NFTs, uh, it, it's funny because when I first saw punks, I didn't like them, right? I was like, oh, these things are ugly um, and I want to find the next punks. And I was looking and looking for the next punks. And at some point I realized uh, and I was red pilled on them where it's like the punks are the next punks. And so like my thesis around them uh, was that, you know, as I was spending more time in Discord, uh, hanging out in a bunch of these different uh, these different NFT groups, I realized that the, the people that were the most OG, that were the most successful, that understood NFTs the best, generally had CryptoPunks as their avatars. And so I was like, okay, like that's, you know, not only, you know, at the time, I think the punk floor was a whopping thousand or fifteen hundred bucks. I was like, I'm not spending that much. And so, like, yeah, obviously, in retrospect, that was that was a great. Those were great buys there. But uh, I remember it's like this would be like a signal, right? And much the same way that Lambert, like people would say, when Lambo at the top at the top of last cycle, I felt like people would be saying when Punk at the top of this cycle. And I, a lot of it has to do with human psychology, right? So it's like you know, understanding that even though we're not in front of each other, uh, we're still going to be humans, even though we're interacting with each other behind a screen. And part of the human experience, for better or worse, uh, and I'm not here to judge, is that we like to place ourselves in social hierarchies, right? Like that's just like, whether it's human nature or in you see it in the animal kingdom uh, with different species, but, you know, people will place themselves in these hierarchies. And so I was like, well, you know, taking, you know, uh, I always use the example of the Rolex watch or an expensive watch. You know, there is no extra utility. People pay so much, uh, so much extra money for a high-end watch when a $5 Casio watch will do the same exact thing. Yet people will spend multiples of that uh, to tell time, right? And there's no extra utility out of it. There's like that social flex out of it. And so I was very much as like, humans will still be humans. And at the end of the day, uh, it's probably an even better flex, right? Because you can, you know exactly how much I spent, right? You know if it's real or not. Whereas with like a watch or, you know, uh, like sometimes clothes or, or handbags and stuff, like people will buy fake versions of them uh, because you, you know, it's like, oh, well, that nobody can tell. So like no harm, no foul. 
But like, I was like, well, like the really cool thing about blockchain is that, you know, you can see exactly how much I paid for my punk and you know, whether, you know, I bought a real punk or a fake punk or what, whatever it is by verifying that transaction on the blockchain. So that to me was like always the thesis. Uh, I still think that thesis still plays, you know, there's, I mean, I, if I can't even, if I had to guess what percentage of the of the population of the world even know what an NFT is, I'd say like it's still in the single digits. And so like, to me, it's like, we're still so early on that like, you know, I'm not trying to to sell my 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 punks, you know, giving them away at like bargain prices. Absolutely makes sense. I mean, it's a it's a piece of internet history at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you have built a very powerful brand around your ape crypto punk. Tell us a bit about the process and the strategy there. Was that was that always the plan when you got it, or did, was it something that kind of came together and, and and you just started seeing it get traction? So yeah, so when you know I bought the punk, uh, I real like I wrote this Twitter thread around it of why you know at the time I spent one hundred fifty thousand, which was the most ever paid uh, for a crypto punk which I think less than six days later, Flamingo bought the alien for around 600,000. But I wrote this thread and, uh, you know, I was, I wrote this thread on why I bought it. Uh, At the time, uh, I think Bitcoin pulled back from 30,000 to 20,000 that week. So it was a very, like people like top signals of the top, right? And like, they were like quoting my buy. And so uh, I was like, I realized that I was seeing the space a little bit differently than a lot of people. Uh, for, you know, I, I just don't think people were putting the two and two together of what we are like as humans and the psychology of the human experience and how that translates into a digital world and how there would be a, a huge human element to it. And so I was able to kind of see that, take advantage of it. Um, and, you know, like I like I think at the time I, I had around 50 or definitely less than 100 followers. I wrote that thread and I was like, if I get to 10,000 followers over the next year, I'm going to be really happy. Uh, and I think it happened within like 30 or 45 days or something. And um, it's literally been been catapulting like way faster than I thought. Uh, and like to me, it's more about like uh, at the beginning, it was definitely more about like the investment thesis and like, you know, understanding the narrative and understanding, OK, like I get this. I have to educate other people to also understand it. But now it's more about pushing the space forward in general. Cause like, I, I think like I could disappear and, you know, ride off into the sunset and I'll still be fine uh, with the positions that I have. But like, to me, now it's more about pushing the space forward and helping people understand like NFTs are not at the end of the day, just going to be JPEGs. You know, the creator economy is the, the first uh, vertical, the first industry that's really getting disruptive. But like really, you know, long-term 10, 20, 30 years, however long it takes, like every industry in the world is going to be disrupted because of NFTs. I couldn't agree more. And I, and I love that, that powerful stake and statement and really the intentionality about your own evolution of the brand with your own crypto pump. You know, I think everyone has heard you say squiggles. Alpha is the squiggle, right? So like as a one of the, I want to dive deeper into your strategy as a collector. What is that and where do you come up, come up with the strategy? Yeah, so you know like I generally don't mint much of like the new projects that come out. Um I would rather wait till a community gets established for the most part. Uh and I'd probably leave a lot of money on the table because of it, but I also I I know my wallet gets tracked uh and I know like sometimes I want to ape to ape but I also know that people follow me so uh, people will also ape because I ape. 
And uh, I just try to be cognizant of that now. Uh, with regards to squiggles, is like I, I like when I think about investing in NFTs, it's like I want to be investing in stuff that I think will hold the most value over time, right? Like if um, you know, punks probably don't ten thousand x from here, but I'm okay with them not ten thousand x from here, right? Like because I I will still be happy if they just ten x from here, right? Like to me, uh, but that's a much safer uh, position than me minting something that I don't know anything about hoping that I mint it for like 0.1 ETH and hoping I can sell it for 10 ETH in like a week or two. Like that to me is just like not the best use of my time and what I'm trying to do in the space and the impact that I'm trying to have. So like, I definitely try to stay away from, from those games that like, I'm sure I could do really well at it. Cause I come from a trading background, but it's just like, not something that really interests me. Like what really interests me is, is really helping people understand what NFTs are and like the potential future of them. So because of that, like I've really developed this long-term mentality, right? Like, so when I look at punks, obviously um, my, I just gave you my thesis for them. But then when I look at squiggles and I look at the community that Snowfro has created around art blocks, and that's, I could argue that that's probably the best community in NFTs at the moment. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, let's take a look at like, you know, our, uh, Swiggles is our, is Snowfro's actual project, right? That was his like proof of concept. So it's like in the grand scheme of things, um, this probably does well long-term and it's like, it's linked to the success of Artblocks as a platform, which has been super successful to date. And so like, I look at that and, you know, I think also we're probably seeing uh, this, this sweet spot of like 10,000 being the number at the moment, which I think grows over time. But I think like the whole reason why the 10,000 number sticks and it means so well is because you get a big enough community of collectors that, you know, if I have like a project that I only make a hundred of them, right? Like you only have at most a hundred people talking about it and probably less because multiple people have NFTs. But if you have 10,000 and you have like, let's say two to 3,000 people to start, that's Two to 3,000 people talking about that collection, right? And so I think that's where you get like the Lindy effect a little faster. Uh, and so that to me is like, I think Squiggles, uh, they have the provenance. I think a lot of like, you know, the, the, the origin story of them too, you know, Snowfro was an original claimer of the punks. Part of the reason he decided to start this platform was because when you, when you went to claim punks, you could go claim whichever one you wanted. So like, it wasn't like fair in the sense that if you if you knew the rarities like you could go and just you know somebody could have claimed all the aliens somebody could have claimed all the zombies and like they could have hoarded them but like he was like it'd be much more fair if i didn't know like we all paid the same price but i didn't know what i was going to claim until you know it was like kind of like opening a, a pack of cards and so like i just think like and and when he started it he had to sell zombies in order to fund uh the building of it because people told him that he was crazy right and here we are uh, I think like two or three years later, and it's like the most successful uh, NFT minting platform out there right now. And so like, to me, it's like, when I look at all those things and the history of that and what Snowfro is trying to do, because what he's trying to do is also not just with NFTs, he's trying to transcend that and, you know, impact like the real art world, the contemporary art world. So to me, like stuff like that is like, you know, the story and, um, and where I see that going long-term and like his vision, like, 
makes me super bullish on on swiggles themselves. I love that, man. And you know, I, I love that you're also speaking to sort of like that sense of responsibility that you feel and knowing that knowing your stature in the space, knowing that people are watching your wallet, you know, knowing that people might blindly follow in it, you know, and and I love that you're you're being very um thoughtful in that regard. You know, I I when I think back on it, you know, it's only a handful of projects that I can even think of like remember you like really publicly coming out in in support of um at their genesis. Uh, Tom Sachs Rocket Factory is one that comes to mind, which I thought was a, I always thought was a really cool project as well. Um, and so I, I know that, you know, by virtue of, of the connections and relationships you have in the space, obviously you're getting a lot of alpha, you're hearing a lot of things. Um, where would you say you're get, you get the most like uh, valuable alpha from? And, and any tips that you might share with our listeners who are looking to get into collecting in the space and, and are looking to, you know, make sure that, that they have their finger on the pulse? Yeah, so I guess um, like... I, at this point now, like my network is really good and big. So people are hitting me up on stuff all the time. Twitter is obviously like a great place. Like if I were to start right now, I'd start on Twitter. I start with NFT now, right? Like a uh, shameless plug there, but like, you know, it's, I, I mean, you guys like are on top of stuff, right? And like, that's kind of what you need to start and just discord, right? Like a lot of it is um, going in, being active in the discord, kind of finding your tribe. And you're going to find people that like, you're like, oh, I, I want to talk to this person. I vibe with them. Uh, we share ideas. And that's kind of like my best relationship started off with like people that like, you know, we either started as a trade or like, you know, trying to do some sort of trade or sell or something. And then like either I shared or they shared something that was coming up and it was like, oh, okay, cool. And like it worked out. And then like, you know, it's just like starting those uh, relationships but like it really starts for i'd say from twitter and discord and then you kind of find your group you know like I, I an example like a real world example of this was uh i recently found out that uh i did this proof of ape po-op in miami in in june and basically it was like a three-day event where uh, i was giving out a po-op I, I i hired a, somebody to hand out a po-op at a certain location and it turned into like a mini meetup type of spot and so uh these two guys ended up starting a hedge fund together, like literally like two months ago or a month ago. And they had met at like my POAP event in June, right? And that's like a real life example of what's happening on Discord and Twitter every day where, you know, you're talking about a project, you guys are both, you obviously have similar interests. And then, you know, you start going down the rabbit hole of like, oh, what else do we like? And you vibe and then you form and do something cool and beautiful on your own. Dude, that is so amazing. And I love that intentionality of how you're making sure that the cure is the community and you're giving back. And I love how you're blending the URL and IRL with that co-op. I remember that Miami, you had that little scavenger hunt. In terms of giving back to the community, you're always so intentional and you host a regular podcast and Twitter space show called The Cutting Edge. Uh, what motivated you to start that? And what are your thoughts on the importance of the platforms? Yeah, so um, I think that's, that was born out of the fact that I was I was having a ton of conversations over the summer with, uh, let's say, artists, creators that were coming into the space, and maybe they didn't uh, market uh, their NFT well enough. And they would hit me up last second and be like, hey, can I chat to you about what I'm working on? I'm like, sure. And a lot of these, you know, like, it would be like a friendly conversation. Uh, but I was like, you know what, like, I bet you the people that follow me would love to be a fly on the wall in this conversation, if for nothing else, to kind of see like how authentic they are, right? Because like um, immediately being part of the crypto space, when like a real world celebrity comes into the space, 
we all immediately think cash grab, right? That's the first thought. And it's it's on the celebrity or whoever's doing the drop to prove that they're not doing a cash grab. So I was like, okay, I would love to provide uh, a very crypto native audience for them to kind of prove their point, right? And, you know, I think uh, we can we're, we can all tell for the most part who's being authentic and who's not. And my, my thesis for, for that is like, the reason why I want to help these people become successful, right? Because it's like, if um, a huge celebrity comes into the space and they do an NFT drop, it doesn't need to be like blow out, like everybody blow out all expectations successful. It just has to be okay. And then they're going to start seeing the power of NFTs and how they should be utilizing that within their, their overall strategy for their brand. And then they will start utilizing NFTs more and more. And then they start talking about NFTs to their fans, right? And you're talking, I'm talking about people with like millions, tens, hundreds of millions of followers. And, and so like, that's how you, we go, we take crypto mainstream. But if that celebrity were to come into the space and their NFT flops, either because, you know, it's not very authentic or, you know, they make a mistake and they don't have good messaging to, to the crypto community, then they're going to have an NFT project that flops. Then they're going to think NFTs are a scam, and then they're not going to touch NFTs for at least three years, right? Maybe longer, right? And so to me, it's like, how can I help them be successful? Because by that, helping them be successful, it's going to help all of us be uh, successful by getting that mainstream adoption faster. So that really was like the genesis and my thought process behind starting the show is being able to provide, um, have these conversations that I was already having and just have them in a more public manner uh, and give them access to, to more of a crypto native consumer. That makes total sense. And, you know, one thing that I think to be really, really interesting to speak to and something that's, you know, very, you know, uh, you know, uh, a key part of the, um, the NFT and crypto space is, you know, uh, the number of, you know, anonymous and pseudonymous collectors, artists, builders in the space. Um, you know, while you've taken, certainly taken efforts not to dox yourself, I feel like you've also been a little more willing to mingle IRL, put yourself out there than many other, uh, others who are anonymous or pseudonymous. Um, you know, you've, you've, you know, we've met many, you know, multiple times in person, you were at our launch event, et cetera. But I'm curious, what has navigating that balance been like for you? Um, yeah, so to me, it's, it was more about pushing a narrative of helping, let's say, uh, the old world understand that like, this is the future, right? What I look like, and what my name is, doesn't matter, right? Like, you know, like my personality, and like, the way I am, like, I've been very like, from the beginning, I've always operated under the assumption that at some point, I'll be fully doxxed. And I always operated under um, the the guys and like the thought that when I when somebody meets me in real life, I want them to be like, "Hey, G Money is exactly the person I thought he would be." Like, I don't want them to, "Oh, he's very different in real life," or you know, he has this online persona. Like, I'm very much trying to be authentic to who I am as a person, um, partly for like my own mental sanity, but also because like you know, I think people connect with authenticity, right? Like you people can can see when something's a facade and something's not real. And so uh, for me, it's been kind of easy because it's really just to push the narrative. Um, like you said, is like generally, like if you meet me in real life, I'm pretty open with who I am. Uh, but like, it's more uh, to, to help the old world understand that, you know, like I, I remember I got uh, an offer to go on television uh, for the Beeple sale, like the week of the Beeple sale to discuss NFTs. Cause at that point, 
like almost nobody in the world was discussing NFTs, especially like in the mainstream. And they were like, oh yeah, you can go on on the condition that you come on fully doxxed, you know, with your name in your face. And I was like, no, like, I'm not going to do it. Right. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, cause it's like, again, it's like, what my, what my real, what I really look like and what my real name is doesn't really matter. Right. Like I have a reputation as G money. Uh, and you guys know that like, you know, and people that I interact with, they're like, G money acts like this. This is how G money is. Um, and like, you know, you know, like what, what is the authentic me and what's not. So to me, it's more about pushing that narrative than anything else. Yo, and that's so spot on because I still remember the first time we met at the barbecue in Miami and you're like, yo, I'm G Money. You gave me a hug. We <laughs> chatted like you made sure that you made, you made me feel heard, made me feel supported, dude. And I was just like, that's right. That's G Money. Like, like yeah, of course, that's G Money. You know what I mean? Like your personality on Twitter and in the metaverse was exactly the same in IRL. So I, I can speak to that from a firsthand experience. So, and thank you so much for like everything that you're doing for the space and driving off authenticity and and making sure that that pseudonymity is still respected and i feel like everyone in the space respects it right like even though they meet you in real life no like there's that kind of like non-spoken agreement like the non-verbal agreement that nobody is to dox g money unless he like <laughs> i feel like that that's kind of like the uh the hand the secret handshake that we all have in the space but moving that forward now like as you know we are entering a new dawn of ownership and we're talking about collector DAOs, right? We have seen so many records being broken consistently this year. How will collector's DAOs change the curation game? And what are other trends you're seeing in the DAO collector space? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's awesome, right? Like I, I'm in a, a couple of these collector DAOs and just like first, like seeing them disrupt uh, the NFT space, but now seeing them uh, kind of branch out into the real world, right? Where uh, a lot of these DAOs are, are forming to buy stuff in the real world. Uh, and um, to me, it's been like really cool to participate in them. And I think the interesting thing as let's say an outsider in the contemporary art world that has now like spoken to a couple like big names in the contemporary art world, kind of seeing them like being like, wait, like we're no longer the only tastemaker in town, right? Like, you know, these DAOs are becoming tastemakers. These big collectors are becoming tastemakers that in the regular art world would have, they would have never had the opportunity to do it. Right. Uh, and so like, to me, it's been like super interesting uh, to watch um, and to watch it in real time and to participate in and to kind of see, like, realize like how historic uh, this is going to be. I think like long-term for, I'd say like grail pieces and like super high end pieces, this kind of like makes the floors go even higher, right? Because it's like, you no longer, right? Like at the super, super high end, you, you have only like, you know, a couple dozen buyers, right? Like, you, you know, somebody, if somebody's spending a billion dollars or half a billion dollars on a painting, right? Like they have to be worth multiples of that, right? If they're going to be putting that into painting, but all of a sudden, like because of DAOs and, and these curation models that are that are forming, you know, like I could own, like I own a piece of Doge, right? Like I'm, I'm a member of Pleaser DAO and I own a piece of Doge and I'm super happy about that, right? And it's like, would I have bought Doge on my own? No, right? Like, cause I, it would have been, I would have been priced out of it, but like me being part of this cohort and this DAO uh, and now, you know, we're doing really cool stuff with it and buying other stuff. We 
We recently uh, bought the Wu-Tang album that got uh, announced yesterday. And like, these are all things that me as a collector uh, or many collectors, right? Like none of us would have been able to do it on ourselves. We'd have to be multiples, uh, more, more, have multiples more wealth than we do at the moment. But like now it's like we can collectively own it. I, and, and I think that kind of increases like the Lindy effect to, to what I was just saying, right? Like, because then it's like the more community mo owned it is, the more like it'll get memed, right? And so it's like the more valuable then it becomes over time. So it's like you're getting a smaller piece of a bigger pie. Like, I just think that it's like, it's incredible. And like, you know, the whole decentralization ethos of, you know, that also like, because now what we're seeing is one, the beautiful thing about NFTs is that all the art is on chain. So anybody can see it no matter who owns it. But now we're starting to see like, as we like entered the real world, and buying these assets and it's like okay well how do we share this with the world how do we like make this an exhibit that everyone can enjoy and not just lock it in a vault in uh in a freeport somewhere i love that i love that um you know uh, and it, it's i think it, it ties in nicely too because there's so much going on in, right now we're, we're seeing new projects launching here and there we're at a very interesting place in the cycle right now i think you know with uh, obviously, NFTs experiencing a huge surge in sales volume in, in August. You know that that that, that momentum continued in September. Now we have um, you know Ethereum and Bitcoin on the move, just hitting all time highs. Um, I'm sure you're getting it. I'm sure we're all getting it. I'm having a lot of friends reaching out with cur curious about NFTs, wanting to wanting to get in. Um, and you know, not financial advice, obviously, but I'm always trying to to like steer them the right way, knowing that we are at you know an elevated place in this cycle, but mm -hmm. still being a huge believer in the value of NFTs long term. And so I was curious because I'm sure you're probably getting people reaching out as well. Like, what what sort of advice do you have for people who are about to like, we're looking to enter the NFT space now at this juncture. Um, you know, I would tell them obviously not financial advice, uh, be, be careful, right? Like buy stuff that you like, you know, one of my main things with, with NFTs and art is like, I don't buy things that like whose artwork I don't like. Uh, and I would say like, try to stick to like the triple a products, right? Even, even if let's say, you know, at this point a floor punk is pretty unattainable to most, but like you can buy shards in a fraction of, of a punk, right? Or, you know, there's multiple ways to get like crypto punk exposure without necessarily having to put up, uh, you know, a huge portion of your net worth in order to get that exposure. So that to me has been one of those things. Um, I always like kind of tell, I'm very much uh, like, uh, you know, like, figure, like I will help you along the way, but I won't do the work for you. So it's like, you know, if you ask me a question, I will definitely answer it. But like, you know, if you're like sitting there like, oh, what are you going to buy next? Like, tell me what you're going to buy before you buy it. It's like, no, because that's not like you're not going to learn and you're not really dedicated to the community. It's like if I see you go down the rabbit hole, I'll answer your questions. And then like if you're still around in like three or four months and like you're like, being like yo, dude, what do you think of this? Or like, oh, this guy was talking about this. And then I'm like, oh, OK, like you're one of us, right? Like you're 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 one of the DJs just like us. And so, yeah, like let's start engaging. But like very much like I get a lot of people I'll be like, all right, these are the resources where I think you should go. Uh, these are the accounts that I think you should follow. These are the discords that I think you should get into. And then from there, like, you know, depending on how much you want to put into it will determine how much like I want to necessarily like be, you know, give you my time because, you know, I'm running out of time, right? Like, just like, I think you guys and, and everybody else in the industry was like, there's not enough hours in the day to do all the stuff that I need to do. 
I love that. Like I'm here to guide you, not here to do the work for you. Really resonate with that, man. Um, tell us more about this uh, Puerto Rico and about the metaverse of summer you're throwing there. And, and after our Basel, I would love to hear more about those details and see how we can support you in that capacity. Yeah, sure. So um, it's on December 7th, uh, where it's it's at the beginning of Puerto Rico Blockchain Week, which will be going on that week. And, you know, a bunch of us live down in PR and we're like, hey, so what can we do uh, to kind of talk about NFT specifically uh, that is a very uh, native NFT community, but also help the, the local economy, right? Because I've been in Puerto Rico now for a couple of years. I've seen firsthand uh, the 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 life-changing tech that is NFTs and, you know, being able to help people that were in poverty, you know, creators that were in debt that like, you know, were struggling and now are like doing really well and, and, and helping push the space forward. So it's like, all right, how can we do something that not only uh, would get like a, a good group of people together, but also help the local economy. So like uh, all the proceeds uh, that are raised, we're going to be going to two local nonprofits one is the Center for Entrepreneurship and the other is for mm -hmm. Code Trotters, which helps locals learn how to code. And so like for me, and it, and it, it still like furthers the discussion on NFTs, right? And so like, that's really what it's all about. Um, and, you know, this is our, the first time we're doing it. Uh, I'm really excited. It's, you know, we, we were, we actually just had our, our, our update call like a day or two ago and our ticket sales are like way ahead of schedule. And like, I've, I've never run like a live event. And so like the per Amanda Cassett is, is helping me run it and she's running it with me. And so, um, you know, she was like, yeah, like our ticket sales are like way ahead of schedule. I'm like, oh, I'm like, all right, that's cool. Cause like, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what the right number is. So, um, I'm, I'm really excited for it. We've got like a, a good list of people coming down. Um, you know, I don't think we've announced all the speakers just yet, but like, you know, we, the speaking, the speakers and the panels are going to be really cool. We're going to auction off a couple of things at the end of the night. And like, it's just going to be overall uh, a great experience. I love that. Well, we are going to be down there. So very excited about right. that. And hopefully, uh, you know, some of our listeners might be down there as well. Um, our, my first time in Puerto Rico. So uh, excited about it. Hopefully, hopefully not your last. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it won't be uh, working in this sector. So, um, you know, uh, like, you know, you've done such a great job, I think, of building the G-Money brand. In fact, when I hear G-Money, the ape comes to mind immediately. It's become synonymous. But aside from the ape, what are some of your favorite NFTs in your collection that, that are not the ape crypto pump? Um, okay. So I will, you know, I, I used to say uh, the Twerky Pepe one, but I don't think I actually own a Twerky Pepe uh, NFT. Uh, it was a collaboration that I did with Twerky. Uh, well, now it's called Twerky Club. Uh, but basically it was the first collaboration I ever did. I think it was like a week and a half after I bought my ape and there was somebody that kept posting this, this, uh, this account kept posting, uh, these cool, like pictures that were, I thought hilarious. That would just like make me smile every time I saw them. And so I'm like, Hey, why don't you do one of the ape? And he was like, Oh really? And for sure. And like, we did a collab together. I think we, we did five, five or seven of them and we sold them. And um, within 20 minutes of me tweeting it out, like he sold out of all his prior NFTs and he hit me up and he was like, thank you so much. You changed my life. Like he made like an extra like eight or $10,000. And that was when like the first time, like me personally, like I felt awesome, right? Cause I'm like, wow, like, you know, th like this is like, I, I helped change somebody's life for the better. 
And like, I didn't even think I was, it was just because I liked their art and it made me realize, wow, like this is way bigger than I thought than even like, you know, and I knew it was going to be big, like really early on, but it was like, this is going to be so much bigger. And like, and like, since then, like I've worked with a ton of artists and helped onboard them. Like Justin Arvasano is obviously is one of them that, you know, like another, another person where like, I told him, I gave him like guidance. And then he no, went. We, we should, listen, we need to tell. We you need to tell that story to our <laughs> listeners because that story, like you, changed his trajectory completely. So the, yeah. the our <laughs> listeners need to listen to that story because Justin is now kind of leading the path for NFT photography. He is the Sherpa for all these photographers, and our listeners need to listen to this amazing story. Yeah, and, and like you know, it, that like you just even saying that gives me goosebumps of like what he's done for the industry in so little time. And you know, I know he was on the, on your podcast uh, a couple months ago, and you know, like he, I, I was, he hit me up on Instagram DMs in like late January, early February. He wanted to sell me. He had this set of a hundred twins called Twin Flames was the name of the set. He wanted to sell them all a hundred to me for a hundred thousand dollars and one NFT. And I was like, dude, keep the physicals, do what, you know, hold on to them for a later date, make a hundred of these, sell them for a thousand bucks each. And, you know, and, and that's like, that's how you're going to do, you're going to sell these much faster. And he's like, really? All right, cool. I thought he was going to come back to me in like two or three weeks. He comes back to me in three days. He's like, I sold out. I'm like, what? He's like, I sold out. I'm like, oh my God. Like, all right. And, you know, and, and from that, Right. Like we ended up doing the punks billboards together with his nonprofit. You know, we put punks in Miami, put them in New York and then in London. And, you know, we started working together. And like I just saw like he be, and you guys saw this firsthand as well as like he's been such a great community builder and being able to interact with collectors. And, you know, because of like the royalties, right, that get paid on the resales, um, you know, he like I literally I don't like paper hand anything. Right. Like I, I, I put my stuff into the paper hand chat. The only things that I've really sold are his his NFTs because you know at the beginning like I bought five or six of them to support him and help bring him into the space and then he would be like he would hit me up every couple of weeks say oh hey like I really want this collector to get involved like would you sell this at like five ETH I'm like all right fine he's like would you sell this at like ten ETH I'm like all right fine he's like fifteen and like the number kept going higher I'm like yo Justin like you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be selling this. I want to hold this on term. He's like, no, but like, I'm trying to broaden my collector base and this and that. And, you know, I have one left now and, you know, right now the floor, I think the floor is a hundred ETH. The, the collection he tried selling me uh, for a hundred thousand dollars back in February just got sold at Christie's for $1.1 million uh, two weeks ago. Right. And like, I wrote this thread about it, how I'm so happy. I didn't buy that. For a hundred thousand, even though I would have technically, like you know, you I could say I would have ten x my money, but I never would have, right? Because Justin, by by Justin breaking that 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 entire collection up and selling them, he was able to become an integral part of the community. And I think that just shows you just how important being a community and building that community is, right? Because if I bought that entire collection to myself. I, I mean, I don't know what it would be worth. I don't think it would be worth a million dollars, right? And so, like that to me, just is a great story and like the power of it, right? And uh, and seeing like how these creators are building this amazing future for themselves. That's amazing, brother. And I I love that level of altruism and guidance that you're doing. And you know, these are the stories that people don't speak to 
very openly. And I'm so happy that we're now giving this space and audience beyond Twitter. Because I know you shared it on Twitter. I know people shared it, but now like getting it recorded in audio, we'll make sure to amplify this as much as possible because like it's also about giving forward, right? right. And it's also about saying, hey, I could take that. However, I see something bigger than you. And I love that about you, uh, G Money. You have this, this fine-tuned lens for so many collectors, for so many artists. And having said that, with that fine-tuned lens, what's the future of the G Money brand going forward? My goal is, uh, you know, for everyone, I want everybody to know who G Money is, right? Because if everyone in the world knows who G Money is, that means NFTs are proliferating uh, in, in the mainstream. And so that's, and to do that, right, like I just need to help push that narrative forward, uh, help people understand NFTs, help people, uh, how do I help increase adoption? How do I help people uh, start utilizing them into their whatever marketing plans or whatever it is that they're focused on with their brands, right? Um, and, and I want to I wanna touch on something that I think is super interesting that, that you brought up is with, especially with regards to crypto is like, and I think everybody hits this at some point in their crypto career where it stops becoming, it stops being about the money, right? Because um, I could, like I said, like I could run off into the sunset and I'll be fine, right? Like I, I, I can, I'll figure out my way. But like at this point, it's more, it's like, all right, like I have uh, reached what I think is escape velocity for myself. And how do I get people there as well, right? And it's more about giving forward because you're kind of changing, you're turning that whole scarcity mindset on its head and it's becoming like a mindset of abundance, right? So it's like, if if you come from that mindset that crypto like really, really helps achieve, then you're gonna you're naturally gonna help people more, right? But when you're coming from that scarcity mindset, you're you're definitely gonna be do more of hoarding and say, you know, if in order for me to eat, somebody has to starve, but like there has to be a way uh, where we can all eat. And so like that's I think the beauty of that. And like, I've noticed that I, I can't tell you at what point it exactly happened for me, but like, you know, like there was one day when I woke up and I'm like, oh man, like, you know, that, you know, the fearfulness that I think is part of like everybody's lives at some point where it's like, you know, of not knowing, you know, like what does the future entail, but just being like, yeah, like, I think I'm going to be all right, no matter what, um, you know, a lot, some of that, you know, regards like on a spiritual level of like trusting a higher power. But like, I think a lot of that that mindset comes from like the abundance mindset that that crypto brings. I love that. I love that. And, you know, it, it, it really is a, a huge part of the culture, everything from, you know, like wag me, like we're all going to make it, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, and we mentioned Amanda earlier. I remember Amanda Cassett once told me something that resonated. She said our generation uh, got a lot of shoots and not many ladders. And crypto has been like one of the key ladders that that um, you know has really helped people um, reach, you know, realize financial freedom. Bring you know, and it and again, like not about the money, more about being able to shape things going forward and and build the kind of world that we want to see. Yeah. Um, incredibly empowering. So, G Money, you have been uh, you've been a, a tireless advocate of the NFT space. We appreciate you um, for all of your efforts. Um, you know. Driving mainstream adoption is one of the mission statements of NFT Now, and so um, it's gr- it's just great to see you on, at the forefront of that. And thank you so much for taking the time today. We're glad to have you. Awesome! Thank you for having me, guys. I I uh, really appreciate it. Awesome, man. We will see you soon. All right. Bye. Wow, that was quite a conversation. One of the best we've had. Alejandro, where do you start? I don't even know that. I'm just just so amazed by the avatar in itself, but. 
first and foremost, I think what I really loved about G Money is his persona is so focused on the space and lifting others that he doesn't really care about being doxxed. And even though there isn't a doxing like warning, the community and the space really respect that anonymity of him being able to be respected. So I kind of love that laissez-faire approach, but still really focus on the outcome and not about the personality, which was really awesome. And then the curveball of this whole conversation today was just really the Justin Alversano story and how he turned down that big collection for 100K and then ended up really catapulting Justin into becoming, you know, the pioneer of NFT photography and getting him in Christie's. I had no clue that G Money had turned that down because it could have been so easy to just take it in as a genesis and be like, hey, I hold it. But he really drove Justin to make a thing out of himself. So again, just the man is so powerful in so many different ways. I'm just really in awe of, how, of his kindness and his vision. Yeah, you know, G Money, he's, he's just great. And uh, I loved what he said about the responsibility he feels with his stature in the space. Um, he knows people are watching his wallets. He knows that if he makes a move, people are going to ape in after him. Uh, no pun intended. But <laughs> I think that, you know, it, it shows a lot of character for him to use that power towards, uh, as you said, helping an artist like a Justin Aversano really reach a new level, helping uh, drive mainstream adoption um, by, you know, helping encourage Visa to get into the space. He played a role in that in, in, in his own podcast, in helping share these conversations with others. Um, I, I am, you know, I, I already had a lot of respect for G Money, but after this conversation, I, I may even have more respect if that's even possible. So. Um, you know, love fest aside, we are very proud of G Money and everything he's given to the space. Uh, for those of you who are tuning in, we appreciate you. Feel free to leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. We love the stars and we will catch you next time. <laughs>